0: Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 102, all about wireless microphones. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Welcome back to another episode of the Filming with Josh podcast. If you are new to the podcast, Filming with Josh is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Here on the podcast, we talk about all things video, from script writing and storyboarding to how to price your work. We talk about it all on this podcast. We also have a Facebook group called Filming with Josh. So be sure to go over to Facebook, type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is a continuation of this podcast and is a place where you can go and share your work, ask for feedback, ask questions and things of that nature. So be sure to go to Filming with Josh on Facebook and ask to join the group today. Thank you for joining another video podcast. This is my third video podcast. And again, if you are not watching on YouTube, you can still listen to this podcast on Apple, Google Play, uh, or um Podbean, So those are some of the other sources. I think we're also on Spotify as well. So there are multiple ways that you can listen to this podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube and you would rather drive in your car and listen, that's a, another option for you. And then, of course, if you are listening on one of those platforms, we do now offer this podcast Uh, as a video podcast on YouTube, so if you'd rather watch the podcast and see some of the things that I talk about, then be sure to go over to YouTube and look for the Filming with Josh channel there. Today, we're going to talk all about wireless mics, and I know it's been a little while since I've done a podcast. It's probably been two or three weeks, it hasn't been planned. Like, I've been trying to get another podcast out, but I've been on the road. I unexpectedly got a call from one of my clients, been a client for like five or six years now, uh, this large home building company I do a lot of work with. And they asked if they could send me to Florida for a shoot and then DC the following week. So I have been in Florida. And then, like, a few days later, I was in Washington, DC. So I went from like T shirt and shorts, like, right on the beach to the Cold weather of Washington D.C. and then up into West Virginia, so <laughs> kind of way too, too huge extremes. So that was kind of funny. But I've been on the road a bit. Um, back home now, and I'm in my office, getting ready for Christmas, trying to tie up some last minute projects, and finally had time to squeeze in a podcast. And today I want to talk about wireless mics, and the reason is because I am going through some some changes in my wireless kit and. So, so wireless audio is fresh on my mind. Uh, I want to talk about wireless audio specifically because I think it's a very complicated subject if you don't know much about it. And I certainly didn't. When I first got started in video, I bought a shotgun mic and threw it on top of my camera. It was like 12 or 13 years ago. And I thought that's all I needed. <laughs> and then one day someone told me, that, they're like, hey, you should probably look at getting like a wireless lapel. And I'm like, oh, what's that? <laughs> and so like 13, 14 years ago, I didn't even know what wireless audio was was and trying to figure all that out was confusing and I feel like now it's harder than ever because there's so many options out there like where do you start? And so today I'm gonna try to help clarify and give you some direction on wireless audio kits, what you should look at buying, what you should think about before you buy um, because there's a lot of things out there, there's a lot lot of misconceptions. I wanna clear some of that up. I do wanna state this. I am not an audio engineer by trade. I shoot video for a living. I do a lot of my own audio, so I know enough about audio to be dangerous, but I did not go to school for this. So I say that because I'm not going to try to teach an audio engineer who clicks on this podcast anything that he or she doesn't already know, because I don't know as much as them. I know enough, though, to be able to tackle projects in real world shoots today and be able to either do my own audio or bring in guys who run my audio gear for me. And that's actually an important thing to say. I own all my own audio gear. I have a lot of audio gear. I have a lot of cardioid, super cardioid, and Shaka mics for booming, um, or, or doing like plant mics, stage mics, things like that, indoor booming, outdoor booming. And then I have a lot of wireless kit which we'll talk about some today. I have my own mixers and recorders, et cetera. And the reason why I own that is because I either do a lot of my own audio or I will hire uh, college students who are junior or senior level students from Texas State University, and I'll bring them onto projects. And most of those students are exceptional. Like they're really good and are really talented at... um, being location sound recordist, but they don't have equipment yet because they're college students. And so they can come operate my gear. So I own all of the audio equipment that I use on all of my projects, whether it is a huge live stream event where there are tons of different things going on from handheld mics to stage mics, etc. to to... Um, Doing audio like interview, pro- interview-related projects, or capturing NAT sound, uh, or Foley audio, um, wireless lapelling—I've got all that stuff. So that when I bring on location sound recorders from college, college students, they can operate my gear. Uh, or I can do it all myself. So that's why I have uh, all the audio equipment I have. And you don't need to have everything I have. And today we're not gonna talk about everything I have. We're not gonna get into recorders, we're not gonna get into boom mics. I just wanna talk about audio gear because that's a whole world in and of itself. And I want to give you an idea I'm, I'm from wireless gear, how you can pick out wireless kits that are good for you in the projects that you do. So who I'm talking to today are gonna be people like me, people who either do their own audio in their video work or who at least want to buy audio that other people can operate for their video work. So that's kind of who this podcast is aimed at. So again, I am not an audio engineer by trade. I know enough to be dangerous. I know enough to get uh, good audio for my video work. And so I'm just going to try to help people who are in a position similar to me to better understand what they can buy um, for your future video projects. To appropriately do this, I think we first need to talk about the different levels of wireless mics and the two main difference different types. We'll start with the different levels. Different levels meaning in my mind there are really three tiers of wireless kits. You've got really high-end, very expensive, like two or three thousand dollars for a set of a single transmitter and receiver type of wireless kit. That's going to be your Electrosonics, your Zaxcom, things like that. Those are very, very expensive wireless kits. Then you've got your kind of middle of the road, which are are, are still what I would consider professional audio gear. That's going to be your Sennheiser's, your Sony's, for example. And then you've got your more budget-friendly Uh, a wireless kit, which is going to be your DJIs, your roads, your deities, things like that. So there are three, really three different tiers, like the really expensive high-end stuff, the kind of the middle of the road, but still professional stuff. And then your more budget friendly stuff. And that doesn't mean that budget friendly can't be used in professional uh, circumstances. It just means that it's more cost effective. But I want to talk about the three different tiers. Um, But before I get to that, I also need to discuss the two main different types of wireless kits, which are UHF versus the 2.4 gigahertz uh, kit. Now, again, guys, I'm not an audio engineer, so bear with me, but I'm going to do my best to explain, in layman's terms, the difference between UHF kits, which are going to be what you're like Sony or or Sennheiser's. When I say Sony, I'm talking not about their slot-in mics, but like their... Um, UHF standard mics like the UWP series. Um, so whether you're looking at like a Sennheiser G3, which is like the previous version or their current gen G4s or the Sony UWP series, those are going to be examples of UHF mics. So are your Electrosonics, your Zaxcoms. Those are all going to be UHF style mics. Your more budget friendly mics um, like your Rhodes, your Deity's, and your uh, DJI's. And even Sony now has some of these uh, more affordable mics. Those are gonna be 2.4 gigahertz mics. Now the main difference is the 2.4 gigahertz style mics, the more cost effective mics, they're running on a band that is going to be similar to the band that like Wi-Fi internet and Bluetooth runs off of. And it's great because it means it's applicable pretty much all over the world. right? If you don't already know this, UHF mics, they run on radio frequencies, and there are certain ranges of radio frequencies you can use and certain ones you cannot use. Like used to, you could use like the 600 uh, range of frequencies, but now you no longer can because, or at least in the United States, you no longer can because that r- frequency range was actually sold and is being utilized by like cell phone companies or television broadcast things like that. Um, they have access to channels, so there are certain frequency ranges like that that you cannot have wireless audio kits in because those channels are or or, or, or radio frequency ranges are owned and are used by television networks literally radio station style networks, or um, they're gonna be used by uh, cell phones, different things like that. Those are ranges that are not open to the public, right? So when you buy a UHF range, or buy a mic system that's a UHF style mic, you're buying it in a range that is uh, legally allowed to be used in your area. So like in the United States, um, if you look at like the Sony system, for example, they sell what they call the UC-14 block, the UC-25, and then I think it's like the UC-90 or something like that. And, and what those blocks are, like if you buy the UC-14, you're going to get um, a frequency range. I actually have a UC-14 right right in front of me, I'll I'll tell you. If you buy it from Sony, you'll get a frequency range. This is a um, right here. This is a UC14 uh, transmitter. And so this is going to give you a 470 to 541 uh, megahertz range. So like that's the frequency range that this runs in. If you bought UC25 from Sony, it would be like 541 to like 608, which is just under that range that recently got sold in 2020 that you can no longer use. And if you buy like the UC, I think it's the UC ninety uh, range. I I don't want to say that wrong, so I may Google that real quick. So if you're watching this bear with me, I'm gonna look up Sony UWP mics, because I, I want to be as accurate as I possibly can. So the other range that you can buy would be if you're buying from Sony, yeah. I was right, UC90. So that's going to be like the 941 to 960 megahertz range. So those are like three range blocks that you can buy. And when you buy a wireless system in that range, you'll be able to utilize various channels that fall within whatever block you buy. So if you buy UC14, you can use any channel that's in the like 470 to 542 megahertz range. If you buy UC25, you can use anything in the 536 to 608 megahertz range. If you buy UC90, you can utilize anything that's in the 941 to 960 megahertz range. Um, Other companies, have they don't use the terms like UC14 or UC25, that's just Sony's own terminology, but the frequency ranges are similar. So you're buying a block when you run a when you use a UHF system. You are buying a block or a, a series or range that you can utilize uh, the channels in for your wireless microphone frequency. When you buy into a a 2.4 gigahertz system, something like a Rode or a Deity, that's going to be in a system that. Um, it, it, it can be utilized anywhere in the world because see like the United States is different than like if you were going to Asia, for example, like the ranges that are legal to use in Asia are going to be different than the ranges that are, are legal to use in the U S which are going to be different than what can be used in Switzerland. Like every place has its own different frequency ranges that can or cannot be used. And so in the U S like the ranges, I just said that Sony sells those three different range groups are all legal to be used in the United States you see the more affordable mics that run in the 2.4 gigahertz range again the the roads the deities um, the dji's those can be used anywhere in the world that's one of the beautiful things about them is they can be used anywhere the downside is is that's also the same uh, system range that bluetooth and wi-fi is going to be in which obviously is going to be a problem if you are in a city like hong kong and you've got wi-fi everywhere and you've got bluetooth Devices everywhere, you're probably going to run into dropout issues or, or interference issues. Even if you're in um like 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 a smaller town, like I live in New Braunfels, I wouldn't necessarily call it a small town. We're over hundred thousand people, but downtown with a two point four gigahertz mic, if there's a bunch of office buildings around me it's quite possible that I'm going to get radio frequency issues because of the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth things that are going on in town around me. So it's great because you can use those mics pretty much anywhere in the world and they're really cheap. But the downside is, is that they're running on a frequency that is being utilized by Wi-Fi devices and, and Bluetooth devices, which are everywhere. So if you're using those mics in the middle of nowhere, it may not be a problem, but if you're utilizing them in in office buildings or in busy cities or any any place where there's going to be a lot of Wi-Fi or Bluetooth activity, there's a far greater risk of RF dropouts or, or, or interference dropouts than you're going to have if you're using UHF mics. So... Part of the reason why UHF mics are more expensive is because they're using um, these these frequency ranges that you are legally allowed to use. That only devices within those ranges are going to be used, utilizing. Meaning, you're going to be far less likely to run into uh, w- like traffic, wi- like like wireless traffic, than you are if you buy into the 2.4 gigahertz range. That Everybody and their brothers using not just wireless audio but Wi Fi bands, Bluetooth, etc. So, if you want to buy mics that are going to be safer to use in more places, you, you got to buy into the UHF system. That's why pro level mics, the ones that cost more money, your Zaxcoms your, your Electrosonics, your Sony, your Sennheiser, they cost more money because they are, are pro-level mics that are utilizing bands that are legal to use that are only going to be used by certain applications like wireless audio, unlike the more cost-effective options that are running the 2.4 gigahertz systems that, yeah, you can use them anywhere in the world, but you're probably going to run into RF issues or, or interference issues or dropouts at some point, if not frequently depending on where you're at. So, the best mics to buy for professional level audio actually are going to be UHF mics because they're they're going to have a greater range, you're going to get a lot more distance out of them, and there's a lot less risk of having dropout issues from competing bands of Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. The other reason and and it has to do with dropouts is UHF mics by design I could I could put this mic, let me put this transmitter back together here. I could put this transmitter behind my back for an interview, right? And and run the wireless lapel under my shirt so it's all hidden. And if my camera's in front of me and the mic is behind me, that's not a problem. But if you're running these more cost-effective mics that are running on these 2.4 gigahertz bands like the Deities. The, the 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 roads etc those mics are more subject to dropouts when you put objects in between the transmitter and the receiver and that includes people so if i was running like i have this rode this is a uh, one of the original rode wireless goes if i was running this transmitter and i had it clipped on my belt behind my back and then i had the tr- the, the receiver on the camera I'm not saying that it for sure will have a dropout, but there's a far greater risk of a dropout because I'm an object in between the transmitter and the receiver. Whereas mics that run on UHF bands, they don't have that issue nearly as much. So I could take this mic and go, this, this UHF mic, if you're watching online, I can take this mic pack and go a long distance away from the receiver and have an object or multiple objects between me and the receiver and probably retain good clarity without having dropouts or at least far more uh, clarity and, and way less risk than I would if I was running this road system where if there's a lot of objects or, or even just a single person between me and the transmitter and the receiver, you're always running a risk of a dropout. So are these mics bad? No, they're not bad. You know, 2.4 gigahertz mics, they have their uses. Like I have a set of these road, original road wireless goes and I have a specific use for them. I use them on a, on a GoPro and I use them for, for, for stuff. Like if I was filming fishing content and I just wanted to put a GoPro on a kayak and whether I was filming myself or I was, maybe I was doing it professionally and I was trying to get like someone catching a bass and I wanted to, to throw a, uh, you know, a, a GoPro on the front of their kayak and, and have it facing the person, but I also wanted to mic them up so I can get their audio. This would be a good place to utilize a Rode Wireless uh, Go system because there's not going to probably be a whole lot between me or between that person and the GoPro, right? Like they can, they could run a lapel into this Rode Wireless Go transmitter, clip it, you know, on the front of their jacket or something. And the GoPro could have the receiver and he's going to like he or she, whoever's the, the fishermen in the kayak, the GoPro is going to be like several feet away from them, probably, right? And so that's going to transmit probably a pretty good signal. And since they're out in the water and they're not in the middle of a city somewhere, you're not running a lot of issues of like Bluetooth or, or Wi-Fi screwing up and interfering with your audio, so like that's a good place to utilize a little mic system like this. So these are great for that. Plus they're tiny, right? I can charge them up, throw them on top of the GoPro, send them out on a kayaking, get some cool footage. But I would not take a 2.4 gigahertz mic like this Rode Wireless Go and go into uh, a professional interview situation with it because there's going to be, especially if I'm trying to hide my mics, which I'm always hiding my mics, and especially if I'm doing it in a corporate building or an office building or a city or anything like that because I'm running the risk of dropouts. So the biggest difference when you're looking at at pricing on, on mics is your more expensive wireless systems are typically going to be UHS systems where you buy into a certain frequency range and your more cost-effective ones are typically going to be 2.4 gigahertz, which again can be used anywhere in the world, but you're competing against Bluetooth and and wireless, uh, like Wi-Fi, and you can't have a lot of objects, including even people a lot of times in front of them where they... Might have dropout issues. Plus, they don't get the same kind of distance. So that's what the biggest difference is. So when you're looking at price differences between transmitter and receiver packs, the biggest price difference or the biggest consideration that makes the the, the difference in price is going to be UHF versus the 2.4 gigahertz. And, and again, that doesn't mean that the 2.4 gigahertz mics don't have their place. I, I use this on GoPro. I think it's perfect for that. But I that they are not a replacement for UHF mics. UHF mics are definitely a more professional uh, route to go if you're looking to buy into professional audio gear. Now, there are cost-effective and affordable UHF uh, transmitters and receivers out there, so you don't have to buy something crazy expensive like electrosonics to get good audio. You just need to pay attention to whether it's UHF versus 2.4 gigahertz. Now, to anybody listening to this who has a Rode Wireless Go or a DJI system who's had great success, I'm not saying that these are bad transmitter and receivers. I just... I'm telling you that they have their place, but they do not replace replace UHF mics and they never will. They're, they're decent for certain applications, but they are far more risky. And so as a professional videographer who does a lot of his own audio, and again, I hire sound guys, even when I hire sound guys that they're using my gear, I'm utilizing UHF mics 99.9% of the time because I can't afford for somebody to cut me a check for a day rate and me show up with, basically a Bluetooth transmitter and receiver that might have dropout issues. That's a problem. I mean, audio, I mean, we all, you hear the saying that audio is more important than, than the visuals. And it's totally true. Like if you have a great sounding video with not the best quality video, that's more acceptable than the, than the opposite. So I don't, I don't risk it with these things. I never pull out these little 2.4 gigahertz mics except for something like what I said with the, the kayak fishing. Like I'm never gonna pull them out for anything other than that because it's far too risky. I'm not gonna risk dropouts from people or objects being between the transmitter and receiver and I'm not gonna run the risk of having dropouts from competing Wi-Fi or Bluetooth bands. It's just too risky. The other issue with these little mics from like Rode and Deity and DJI, and, and even the new Sony has a, a, a little variant now. I don't remember the name of it, but they they came out with a competing product product to these. Those are going to be rechargeable, so you are going to plug this up via USB C or put these into like a little USB C hub and charge them all at once. And that sounds great in theory, but what are you going to do when you're on on a shoot and the battery dies? And the battery life doesn't last all that long in these little mics. So you could say, well, I'll have several sets and when one transmitter dies, I'll swap it out with another one and, and throw the one that died on charge. And in theory, that might could work, but what if you've got to shoot all day long and, and, and both of them die? What are you going to do then, right? Right. Or what if you don't have time to charge them the night before because you're on a multi-day shoot and you're shooting through the night or something? Um, or you just never know. Plus, you can't like, like these aren't really user changeable systems, like, like, like where you can go in and just replace the batteries. So after a few years, when these batteries start to you know, to, to, to get worse and worse and worse, the battery life is going to get worse over time, eventually you have to throw them away and buy new ones, Right. Whereas a system that is running on these, like a more expensive UHS system, like the Sony's, Sennheiser's, et cetera, those take interchangeable batteries. So 20 years from now, these systems are still going to work. And and unless the the frequency bands get sold or something, there's no reason why you'd have to replace these in 20 years, unless you just don't take care of them. You can just continue to change batteries. And I do run interchangeable batteries. I run Panasonic Anyloop Pros. They last all day long, I, I can, out of this transmitter right here in my hand, the Sony transmitter, I can get like 12 or 14 hours out of one set of double A rechargeable AnyLoop batteries. I charge, I have 48, I think, AnyLoop Pro batteries, and I just charge a bunch of them the night before, and I won't go through more than one set a day. But even if I had to, I can always change batteries. I can put another set of AnyLoop's in at any time, or I can put regular A's in at any time, And I never have to worry about not having battery life. Whereas with the Rhodes or the DJI's or the whatevers, the deities, whatever, I would be flipping out all the time afraid that these are going to run out of battery and then I'm going to be screwed. So... There's all kinds of reasons why I think that these should not be the primary uh, wireless kits that you have in your bag as a professional videographer who wants to do their own sound. I I think that they have a place. They're fine to have as backups or to throw on a GoPro or something, but I would never, never, never make these my sole series of wireless mics. There's far too great a risk even when it comes to simple things such as battery life, you gotta have interchangeable battery mic packs. You just have to, because it's, it's just way too risky not to. So that's the biggest thing to look at when you're going to buy wireless kits. Is, are, is it UHF or is it gonna run on a 2.4 gigahertz system? And can you change batteries? Those are by far the most important things to look at. Now, there's a lot more than that that we're gonna dive into next. There are different types of wireless transmitters out there. So you, you have receivers, right? The receivers uh, are often labeled RX. You can have a single or a dual wireless receiver. Now, one thing I like about Sony, for example, is Sony sells a dual wireless receiver. It's a single receiver that can accept two channels at one time from two different transmitters. That's fantastic. I've got a couple of those. They're great. For some reason, Sennheiser does not offer that in their G4 or G3 series. I don't know why. Now they they do have, technically they do have a a dual wireless receiver that you can plug into mains power and it's just like big brick, but they don't have like a small receiver that you can plug on top of your camera the way that Sony does. And what's great about Sony is that you can either plug the dual wireless receiver into like, let's say a Canon C500 Mark II and then run two XLR cables out of the single receiver or you can run... Uh, to uh, a dual um, 3.5 millimeter to single 3.5 millimeter cable into something like a Canon EOS R5. So you have like a, a, a basically your two channels are being. Um, Split down into one single mono cha- uh, plug that you plug into your R five, for example, and now you have a let your left channel will be channel one and your right channel will be channel two. So you can do dual XLRs or you can do the uh, two three point five to single three point five millimeter cable. So those are two options, and then the third option is the Sony hot shoe. So. The way it works, I don't have it in front of me if you're watching this online, but basically Sony cameras like uh, the FX3 that I'm using to film this uh, podcast on or the FX6 or the FX9, those cameras, for example, can run a dual wireless receiver straight into the hot shoe of the camera no cables needed so you can run audio straight into the camera straight from the receiver without any sort of cables at all what's great about that on the fx6 and fx9 is it unlocks four channels of audio so you on the fx6 and fx9 you have two xlr ports but then you also have the hot shoe so if you plug in a dual wireless receiver On top of the FX6 or FX9, you unlock channels three and four, giving you four total channels, the two XLR, inputs and the dual wireless receiver in the hot shoe. You can also run a single receiver in the hot shoe as well to give you three channels of audio. You can take that same dual wireless receiver and put it in an FX3, FX30, A7S3, A1, A74 for two channels of audio that way. Technically three because there's a uh, another input but uh, on the receiver itself, but two separate channels which is fantastic. Again, no wires needed. And again, you can also do that with the single receiver as well. All you need is their SMAD or SMAD adapter to be able to do that. So Sony's ecosystem, this is part of the reason why I'm a Sony video shooter, is amazing because their wireless systems allow you to have a bunch of transmitters, you can have multiple dual receivers, you can slot them into the hot shoes without even needing any cables, unlock all these extra channels of audio, and you can't do any of that with Sennheiser, for example. Now, I don't own Lectrosonics and I don't own Zaxcom, but there are a lot of people out there who do. If all I did for a living was audio and I was using audio equipment on all different kinds of cameras, then I might consider that. But honestly, Sony is great. It They make a great wireless system. A lot of people don't realize this. Sony's actually been making audio gear longer than Sennheiser. So Sony's got a great reputation of making broadcast quality transmitters and receivers, and their whole system when you use it with their video cameras is tremendous. So if you are a Sony video shooter, you really should buy their UWP series mics and and get into their dual wireless receivers, get into all their different transmitter options they have out there. It's all UHF based and it's gonna gonna last you a long time. It's all interchangeable uh, batteries, and it integrates with their system really well. But even if you're a Canon or Panasonic shooter or, or Nikon or RED or whatever, I still think Sony is a more viable option than Sennheiser because of the dual wireless receivers that they offer and that, that Sennheiser does not offer. And again, you don't have to have a hot shoe to use a dual wireless receiver. You can use the two XLRs out or the, the, splitting, the splitter cable out into a single 3.5 millimeter jack. So overall, Sony does have a far more complete system in my opinion than Sennheiser does. And again, if you're doing audio for a living, that's all you do. And you want to spend your money on Electrosonics or Zaxcom, that's fine. But I do think for most people, the Sony system is one of the best on the market. Now, one thing that I want to mention that I also like about Sony and other companies do this as well. So it's not just Sony who offers this, but personally, I, I like this, uh, this, the Sony versions, but beyond just the, the, the law of pack, which by the way, a lot of people don't realize this, but you can use headset mics on these body packs—not just lavs, but headset mics. So if you're working in churches or if you're filming a lot of events where there's going to be speakers speaking, you can take a body pack from Sony, Sennheiser, Electrosonics, etc., and you can put a headset mic into the same body pack that you run your lavs in to run headset mics. I actually have these really cool headset brackets that convert my lav mics into headset mics. Um, those are really cool. I run Sanken lovs. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but those lovs can be converted into headset mics, which is pretty awesome. But all of that runs off of the, basically the normal body pack. But then you have the plug on transmitters, which are these little boxy cube looking things. If you're watching online and what the plug on transmitter is, is it has a XLR, um, plug on top of this little body pack. And what that allows you to do is take something like a shotgun mic and turn it into a wireless mic. Both of my boom poles are by k tech and both of my boom poles have internal cables inside of them. And then at the ends of the boom poles are XLR plugs. And so I can plug these wireless, I have two of these, I can plug these wireless plug-on transmitters into the bottom of my boom poles. And now my boom poles are wireless and any mic I plug into the top of my boom pole will now be a wireless mic, whether that's a a shotgun mic or a cardioid or a super cardioid mic, whether I'm booming outdoors or indoors, these plug-on transmitters turn those into wireless mic systems. Another time I use these is if I'm filming something like a live stream and I want um, the live stream crowd to hear audience reactions, like I did this during TED Talks in the past when I used to do TED talks for Texas State University, I would take two of these plug-on transmitters and I would put them on uh, cardioid mics. And I'd put the cardioid mics on stage left and stage right facing the crowd. And the cardioid mics would be transmitting wireless audio to my live stream board where um, I could give the live stream crowd a sense of the audience reaction from the in-person audience. So that's another time I use these. Another cool feature is there's a, a company out there that makes a device. I've got two of the two of them, one for each of my plug-on transmitters, and it's a little XLR plug that plugs into the top of this little uh, of this uh, plug-on transmitter and the the top of that adapter, so it's basically XLR on one end, and on the other end, it's got a three-point-five millimeter Sony plug, where I can run my Sony la- mounted lapels on a plug-on transmitter, essentially converting the plug-on transmitter into another wireless lapel or headset system. So I have six of these Sony wireless body pack transmitters but if i wanted i could take these plug-on transmitters put those adapters on top of them and now i have eight wireless lav or headset Body packs, so you can use these plug-on transmitters as wireless lapel or headset mics. You can use them to convert your boom poles or boom mics into wireless booms. You can use them for again wireless stage mics. Um, I've even taken uh, these plug-on transmitters and put a XLR to 3.5 millimeter adapter on top and put it onto a stereo mic like a Rode Video Stereo Mic X and put it out in the woods to capture. Wireless NAT sounds of birds chirping, wind blowing, things like that. So these are really handy tools to have. Uh, I have them um, uh, a little, um, a little sleeve that I put these plug-on transmitters in that give them a belt clip on the back for when I want to convert them into wireless. But this, these little plug-on transmitters are super handy. Uh, and again, they're the ones I have are Sony, so they're all UHF based and they all take interchangeable batteries. I also have um, uh, two handheld mics. And these handheld mics are great. These are wireless Sony handheld mics, again, all within the same system so that I can run handheld mics for live streams or things like that. So if I'm live streaming, if I'm doing um, any sort of live event or if I'm doing something more like ENG style news gathering, I can run these wireless handheld mics and then send these, uh, wire, the wireless signal to my my Sony receivers. So all of this is with that within the Sony system. So I've got handheld mics, plug-on, transmitters and body pack transmitters. And then I have a whole host of receipts. I think I have uh, eight no, six single receivers and two duels. So I can transmit up to 10 channels and receive up to 10 channels at once, which is really useful for big like live streams and things like that, big events. And you also, I have two more Sony handheld mics that are not wireless. They have an XLR plug on the bottom, but I can plug them onto the plug-on transmitters and convert those into wireless handheld mics as well. So I have two Sony, again, two Sony non-wireless um, handheld mics. They're just regular... XLR-powered handheld mics that you can, of course, run on an XLR cable. But again, with the plug-on transmitters, I can make them into wireless handheld mics, giving me up to four wireless handheld mics if I wanted to have like two on stage and two in the crowd, for example, for an event. Um, So that's really a really cool thing about the plug-on transmitters. So I have this whole system of handheld mics, plug-on transmitters, and body pack transmitters with single wireless receivers and dual wireless receivers i i can run up to 10 channels at once or i can do five channels to my own live stream board and five channels to house sound if i wanted to give house sound their own separate channels Uh, a lot of times what i'll do is i'll send all 10 channels to house sound and i'll just take a feed from house sound to my live stream board but that's overkill for most people but the whole point is is that if you buy into a sennheiser or sony or electrosonic system for example not only do you get interchangeable lens uh, or excuse me interchange i I'm used to saying that a lot. Not only do you get interchangeable battery uh, transmitters and receivers that are all UHF based, but you also get the ability to invest in everything from handheld to body pack transmitters, to plug on transmitters. And so you have an entire system you can you can work with and grow with, which I use all of these all the time. I, I even like, I, I was shooting uh, like a, a little event for a nonprofit the other day, and I just needed to get off the cuff interviews with people. So I handed them my wireless mic and just got off the cuff interviews. It was like super fast. Like, hey, what do you think about this event? And got a bunch of information from them. It's fantastic. I've got little stands too that I can put these um, handheld mics on too. So I can put them on podiums and people can pull them off the stand or pop them back on, etc. So um, really great system in and of itself. I love the Sony system. You can do a lot of this with Sennheiser. You just don't get access to the dual wireless receivers. And again, the Sennheiser doesn't integrate with Sony camera bodies. So. If you're a Sony shooter, you got to go with Sony in my opinion. But even if you're not, I still think Sony makes the best uh, in, in uh, pro audio gear with, before you jump into the price bracket of Electrosonics and Zaxcom. Now, I want to bring up something that is I, I see brought up all the time, which is Rode, for example, has a new product, the Rode Wireless Pros, which offer the ability to transmit a wireless signal while also recording 32-bit float audio internally. Now, you don't see that very often. Like the Sonys, the Sennheisers, even Lectrosonics, which is extremely expensive, they do not offer the ability to send a wireless signal and record internally at the same time in the United States. The reason is, Zaxcom in the US owns a patent that bars other companies from doing that. Zaxcom is the only company in the United States that is legally allowed to send a wireless signal and record internally on a body pack at the same time. The only other companies that offer a transmitter that can do that outside of Zaxcom in the United States is uh, Deity and Rode. Deity has a, pr- a newer product that came out like a year or two ago that can do it. No one knows why Deity is allowed to do it, but the understanding is that they probably paid Zaxcom for a some sort of a licensing fee for that technology. Uh, and then Rode they offered that in the wireless their new wireless pros and everyone freaked out about that but i kind of thought that was weird that that Zaxcom sorry for all the text message noises you hear by me i thought it was weird that rode was allowed to do that and i was right because rode just got sued by Zaxcom this past month for putting 32 bit float recording inside of the transmitters that also transmit an audio signal so while the roads can technically today the Rode Wireless Pros, like the new ones, while they technically can send a wireless 2.4 gigahertz signal and record 32-bit fla- flow audio internally, they are currently being sued. And I'm all but sure they're going to lose that lawsuit because even Lectrosonics lost that lawsuit. And so there's no way, in my opinion, that Rode is going to get away with that unless they cut a behind-the-doors deal, the deal with um, Zaxcom that allows them to do that down the road. But until that happens... Um, Rode currently allows you to do internal recording and wireless transmission. But again, they're being sued, so I think that that will probably be stripped from their product in the future after that lawsuit settles. Zaxcom's won every single one of those lawsuits, kind of like RED. A lot of people don't know that, but RED owns the patent for compressed internal RAW recording. And so unless you get a uh, a license deal from from RED to have compressed internal RAW on your camera, you flat out can't have it. RED's won every lawsuit over that that, that, that has been had over that, even against Apple. So that's why most cameras don't offer um, like 16-bit Internal compressed raw recording because Red owns that patent. Um, and Zaxcom is the same way with internal recorded audio along that on, on a system that can also transmit wirelessly. Now you can buy stuff like um, I have a bunch of, of the Tentacle Sync Track E's because I run Tentacle Syncs for timecode. And the Tentacle Sync Track E is a timecode generator that also can record 32 bit float audio internally but you can't wirelessly monitor it in real time. Now, they did recently come out with a Bluetooth-like ability to kind of through the app monitor the audio, but it doesn't work really well. So um, there are other systems out there that you can record onto a body pack. You just can't do it while transmitting a UHF or 2.4 gigahertz signal at the same time because zaxcom owns that patent my kids just walked in the door so if you hear anything that's probably what that is right now so my i would not be surprised if my son busted in the door here in a minute to say hi if he does i apologize um but anyway the only company outside of zaxcom today that's not being sued that offers that in the united states is deity i don't know how deity is getting away with it i'm assuming that again that there's some backdoor deal that was cut that's the only thing that makes sense to me but if you're wondering why audio um transmitters and receivers out there don't have that ability why most of them don't that's why now other things to talk about when it comes to wireless systems is going to be the actual mic you use so you could go and buy a Sony transmitter and receiver system or a Sennheiser or a Rode or a Deity or whatever, and it's going to probably come with some sort of a stock lav. This, uh, my, my daughter's really upset. I apologize. I don't know if you can hear her crying in the background. Um, I apologize. Um, but anyway, the, um, the, the stock lavs that come with these systems are usually okay but I would not call them great, so I, I wouldn't recommend judging a transmitter and receiver one, that you buy based on the stock lobs. Some stock lobs are pretty good. Like I used to own the Sennheiser G3s. I actually thought that they had pretty good stock lobs. I wouldn't call them spectacular, but they were pretty nice. Sony's stock lobs I do I don't like as much as I did the Sennheiser G3s, but they're you know they're fine. They're adequate. I use the Sony stock lobs when I'm filming like fishing content or if I'm throwing a bunch of lapels on at an event where I know that they might get torn up, right? Because stock lobs are cheap. So I use stock lobs for content that I know that the audio is still important, but I don't want my mics to get torn up. And where the the audio quality is, you want it to be good, but it doesn't have to be as good. Like I'll use the stock lobs for things like that. But in reality, the lob makes the biggest difference, Outside of like, like the 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 quality of the transmission, the transmitted signal, whether it's analog or digital, or the noise floor, like all those things can, based on the transmitter and receiver, can affect the quality of the audio. But the lav itself is the biggest consideration in terms of the quality of the sound because if you change lavs, you can you can run a whole bunch of different lobs on one mic system, and they'll all produce different sounds. And so. When you go and buy into a system, whether you're buying a more affordable Deity or or Rode or DJI system, or whether you're buying something like a Sennheiser or a Sony, if you don't like the quality of sound that you're getting from the stock lav, don't give up on the system. Just look into aftermarket options. So I have in front of me right here, this is what I run. If you're watching online, you'll get to see this. I run all um, Sankin cause 11 D or, or some people call it COS 11 D, uh, love mics. And, and you can get them in different mounts. You can get them for Sennheiser. You can get them for, um, v- various different ones. I have them in Sony. So you'll see here, I've got two in black and two in white. So I've got, um, four Sanking cause 11 D, uh, lavs. These are pretty expensive. They're like 300 50 or 380 bucks per lav, which is really expensive. I mean, that's as much as a single, if not more than a single Sony transmitter. But the quality of sound that you get from these Sankins is incredible. These are one of the industry standards. There's really a few different ones out there that I would say are some of the industry standard lavs. That's going to be the Tram TR50, the Countryman, uh, like B6 is another option. There's a DPA mic, uh, Assure that are um, popular, and then the San Can Cause 11D. The Sankin Can Cause 11D is probably the most uh, widely used, what I would call industry standard love And again, you can get them in different mounts. So mine are in Sony, and I have two white, two black, and I'm uh, recently ordered two beige that haven't come in yet. Now, why do I have these? Well, again, I have six transmitters, and the Sony stock Loves are fine. But I want great sounding lobs for my commercial work, my doc projects, anything where I'm really, really concerned about the quality of the audio, where the stock lobs aren't going to cut it. That's when I'm going to switch to an aftermarket lob. Sit down interviews, dialogue for commercials, um, large events, things like that. That's where I'm going to run an aftermarket lob. The Sankins sound incredible. They're also much smaller. Like if you actually were to take, like I have the, the lob inside of a concealed, like a Lov Concealer by Bubblebee right now. But if I took it out of the concealer, you'd see how tiny it is, which makes it really easy to hide in clothing or underclothing, things like that. I hate seeing lobs. There's a place for it if you want to have like an ENG look or whatever, but f- like nine times out of 10, you need to be hiding your lobs. And if you don't know how to hide your lobs, I'm actually going to be coming out with a video in the next few weeks that shows different ways to hide lav mics um, that I use. But you want to hide your lobs the best you can. So one thing that's great about the Sankins or, like the countryman b6 for example which is even smaller is they're easier to hide and the quality of audio you're going to get from that microphone or 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 from the tram the sink in the the shore uh, the countryman is going to be far better than pretty much any stock lav that you're going to get so if you're not happy with the quality of the lav on your wireless system look into other aftermarket options in your mount and again most of these come in different mounts so you can find one that'll probably fit your wireless transmitter, I definitely recommend that. Uh, one thing I don't like about the older Rode wireless Pro uh, wireless mic, mics, again, I, I use these on my GoPros, is that they don't have a locking connection where like a Sennheiser or Sony have like a locking connection so the cable can't come plugged out or come unplugged on accident. However, Rode did fix that in the Rode wireless uh, pros. They now have a locking connection. I think it's a standard Sennheiser mount. So if you want to have... Um, like uh, like if you if you do have roads and you like that system and you don't have any dropout issues in your area because you you know, work in the woods all the time, then I would um, look at, if you want to have better quality audio, I would look at something like a Countryman, a Tram, a, a Sanken, et cetera. And I would look at getting them in the Sennheiser 3.5 millimeter locking mount for your uh, Rode wireless goes. And, and and that that's better than the older models that don't have that locking mount where it can accidentally come unplugged. Now you might be asking, I, I made the comment that I have two in black, two in white and two in beige. Why is that? white right because most lobs that you see are black well black black lobs are fine when you are like putting it under dark clothing. But the problem is, is if you have a black lav mic and you're putting it under like a white button-up T-shirt, you can see the black wire. I don't want to see the black wire. So if I'm hiding a lapel mic underneath like a white button-up shirt, I switch to a white mic um, because it, it, it'll it blend in under the shirt and you won't see the outline of it. Sometimes I'll even like if if, if I want to hide the shirt under a uh, or, or lav on a collar. I can get away sometimes with the using black on a white if I hide it under the collar, but it's still risky. So I use white mics under white shirts or light colored shirts, and I use the black mics on darker or under darker clothing. That's the reason why I have the different color options. You could get white and run it with darker clothing, but then you, if you ever need to put the mic on the clothing and hide it on the clothing, the white will stick out like a sore thumb on dark clothing. So, so that's why white and black are good to have. The beige is good if you're if you're gonna have it on any sort of lighter color, color skin, and the skin might be shown. Having beige is really great for lighter color skin tones. Um, another reason I have beige or ordered the beige recently is, so you could get headset mics that, again, work on, on your body pack transmitters, um, I personally, instead of buying headset mics, I bought these mounts that allow me to run my Sanken lobs in a headset, in a headset mount. So if I'm doing something like uh, a live stream event, and I'm gonna have like. Two or three or four people wearing headset mics as they walk around on stage, like a TED talk. Maybe, maybe I have one person doing a TED talk and they're, you know, standing in that red circle, but they're clicking and 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 talking to the crowd and clicking the projector with the or changing slides on the projector with the remote, etc. Turning and looking left and right, all that. That's that's a tough spot for a lav mic to be on on someone's chest because if their head is going to the left or to the right, uh, you you their the audio level is going to change. Whereas a headset mic is going to follow. Them. So headset mics are great for people like, like preachers who are going to be walking up and down stage, turning their heads left and right all the time. Headset mics are great. So rather than buy a dedicated headset mic, I found this company that makes a headset that allows you to take your lapel mics and convert it into a headset mic. And I have really great lapels, so I have no problem running them as headset mics. Um, and they come with different clips for different size lap- lapels. So, like they have clips that'll fit my Sankins. Well, the reason this is where the beige comes into play. My darker, my black lapel mics on the black headsets I ordered will work great with darker skin tones. But when I'm putting a headset mic on someone who's Caucasian or has a lighter skin color, I don't want to run a black headset mic with a black lav on it because it'll stick out really You know, like not not even just on camera, but the people in the crowd, it'll be really like in your face. Whereas I could switch to a tan colored or beige colored headset with a tan or beige colored Sanken lav, and it'll blend into those lighter skin tones better. So I have six Sanken mics because I can run up to six people, mic up to six people at one time with six lobs and hide them all under clothing. Or if I need to use them as headset mics with the headset brackets I bought for like a live presentation, I have options to run darker mics uh, with darker headset brackets on darker skin tones or lighter mics with lighter headset brackets on lighter skin tones. So having different colored mics helps when hiding under clothing or when making mics less noticeable on different color skin tones. So that's why having a a variety of colors is really helpful. Of course, you can hide all six of these with all all three colors under clothes and uh, dark colored clothes, for example, no one would ever see them. Um, so maybe color doesn't always matter, but in certain situations it can play a factor. And so hiding hiding mics based on color can be a really useful tool. But just know that the, the most important takeaway is that aftermarket loves are going to sound better than the lovs that you get with your uh, stock the stock Lavs that you're going to get with your system so don't judge your transmitter and receiver's audio quality based on the lav until you try it with a different aftermarket lav Um, because a lot of times that'll fix most of the audio problems my mics these Sankins are amazing they sound like a boom mic almost they're they're incredible and i love that i can use them under close on close or even convert them into headset mics, it makes them just very useful. I can use them in a ton of different applications. Um, so I, I highly recommend looking into aftermarket lobs. and the Sankin and COS-11D is kind of like the industry standard. I even have them for my, uh, I mentioned earlier that I use tentacle sync track Well, I have an adapter that allows me to run these Sony lobs on my tentacle sync track So even if I if I run into a situation where I need to use a tentacle sync track E instead of a wireless unit, um, I will use my, I'll still be able to use my sync and LOVs on the track es. Now you might be asking, well, what would you use a tentacle sync track E for? Because that's a pocket 32-bit audio, 32-bit float audio recorder that does not transmit a wireless signal. It, all it does is record Uh, audio internally, and then you sync up and post via timecode, but you can't monitor it that well. While you can monitor it through an app, it's not great, but you can tell enough to at least make sure no one's peeking or that you're not hearing clothes rustling noise, which is uh, something you really want to pay attention to. And I'm going to address that in my how to hide your lav mic video I'm coming out with soon. But where I would use that is just because you have a UHF mic system doesn't mean you'll never have RF issues. If you're shooting outside a hospital, for example, it it, it might just be so bad that no matter what wireless system you use, you're going to have dropouts. I've ran into that a few times in my life, and whenever I run into that situation, you need another way to still run your lapel mics if you're not booming. Uh, if you're booming, you can just switch over to hardwired XLR cable. Problem goes away, but. What I use if I'm lapeling people is these. I keep, I always keep on me a couple of these uh, sink, not sinking, tentacle sync trackies. They have really long battery lives. And yes, they are rechargeable mics, which I talked about a minute ago why I don't like rechargeable mics. But these aren't my everyday mics, these are emergency body packs. So if I'm in a situation where it's just drop out hell and I'm I'm having so many issues because I'm outside a hospital and there's all kinds of frequencies happening and no matter what I do, I can't get a scan that gets me a clear signal, at that point, I'll switch over to a hardwired mic that's going to go into a, uh, a, a something like a Tentacle Sync Track E, where I'm going to record to 32-bit float audio, I'm going to monitor it via Bluetooth on my phone just to make sure there's no clothes rustling noise or wind noise issues, and then I'm going to sync and post via time code later. That has bailed me out of several jams, so that's something that's good to have on hand. I highly recommend getting a couple of Tentacle Sync Track E's to keep in your audio kit in those emergency situations situations. situations where you might have wireless dropouts and just need another way to record audio to make sure you get home with clean audio that doesn't have dropouts. There is another thing that causes dropouts, which is called occupancy sensor. And that could be um, like if you're in a room, this is more more becoming more of a thing today as people are are, are converting room uh, like buildings to become more green or energy efficient. But if you go into like a corporate or office building where lights are on motion sensors, those are called occupancy sensors. And those motion sensors actually can affect your wireless audio transmission. I ran into this at uh, Stephen F. Austin State University several weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, where I was fine recording audio outside, but every time I was inside recording wireless audio, I kept having issues, and it was the occupancy sensors in the rooms. Well, Sony's newer body pack transmitters have a setting that allows you to... Um, combat the occupancy sensors. It's a setting that allows you to kind of work around that. Now, I don't know of any other company that offers that right now. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just don't know that, uh, of another company that offers it. But Sony's newest ones do offer that setting on their handheld mics, their plug-on transmitters, and their body pack transmitters, which is really, really useful when you're in a room where the occupancy sensor is affecting your audio and causing a hissing sound or is causing dropouts. So that's another thing I love about the Sony system. You can see, I I just, I'm a huge fan of Sony's for the price. I just, I don't think you can beat them. Uh, But that's something to be aware of. Another thing to be aware of is every single time, again, there goes my daughter crying. I apologize. Um, Every single time you go to a new place, you need to do a scan for a clear uh, channel. I know a lot of people that I meet that never scan for a clean. Channel when they show up to a place. They just turn their mics on and and call it a day. That is a bad move. The whole point of buying into a system that has a frequency range is that you have a range of channels to work with. So, what I do on my Sony's is when I show up to a place, I'll take out, let's just say I'm going to use two wireless. Kit mics. I'll pull out wireless mic uh, transmitter, uh, the first transmitter and receiver, and I'll do an auto scan, and it's it's really good. It does an automatic scan through a series of channels, and it finds the cleanest channel in that area and then I will hold the transmitter up to the receiver and it will instantly sync and so now they are on the cleanest channel. Then I'll turn on the second wireless transmitter receiver and we'll do a second scan for the second cleanest channel so that both my transmitters, uh, uh, transmitter one and transmitter two are on the two cleanest signals in that area. Every area you go to is gonna have a different channel that's cl- that's the cleanest channel. So you always wanna do a, a channel scan as your first step in setting up your wireless when you get to a new area. And they do a great job on these auto scans. There are really expensive devices out there that you can use to scan for audio channels, but the transmitter receivers do a great job of doing it in the body pack transmitters. So I, I suggest just doing that um, in what you own. Uh, when you own a set, set of UHF mics, just show up, do a clear, do a scan, channel scan, find the clearest channel and set it. And if you're doing three or four mics, you know, just do it over and over again so you're using all the cleanest channels in that area. I do recommend when you do that, that you keep on, uh, like, like if you if you're gonna set up channel one for if you're gonna do like say three mics do channel one first and leave it on so that when you do channel two, it skips channel one and then leave on channel two and then do channel three. Um, that way, all three channels are are gonna be separated from each other fairly well. My last thing I wanna mention is buying into a frequency range because again, there are different frequency ranges out there that you can buy into and, and different manufacturers call them different things. I'll talk about the Sony ones, but you can find something applicable for Sennheiser, Shure, whatever other brand you're looking at. And so uh, I'm gonna look at my screen here for a second. So again, Sony sells them, they call it UC14, UC25, and UC90. And again, UC14 is 470 to 542, UC25 is 536 to 608, and UC90 is 941 to 960. Those are the three frequency blocks you can buy from Sony. Well. UC-90, you have to be licensed. You actually have have to have a license to use that frequency range. So don't buy into that range. And that's not just for Sony. If you're buying into another manufacturer that makes anything, like Sony calls it UC-90, but don't pay attention to that. What you're looking at is the range. Don't buy from another manufacturer something in the 900 megahertz range unless you want to get licensed. And it's a smaller range too. So it's a newer range, it's less occupied, it's got some benefits, but you gotta be licensed to use it. So for most people, avoid that. The two frequency ranges you wanna pay attention to are what Sony call the UC-14 or UC-25. Again, if you're looking at a different camera manufacturer, I mean, uh, wireless mic manufacturer, they might call it something different. But what you're looking at is the frequency range, which is going to typically be somewhere around 470 to 542 for one range or 536 to 608 for another range. Those are your two most common ranges. Sennheiser or Electrosonics or these other companies out there might have different, like slightly different ranges, but they're going to fall somewhere within that ballpark. Now, I will tell you this, it, 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 it doesn't, Like at the end of the day, like if you buy either one, you're, you're probably going to be fine. And and in most places too, like I've used the 536 to 608 range for years and I use them all over the world. And in every country I've ever been to, it hasn't been a problem, including obviously here in the U S but, um, recently when i bought newer mics i bought into the 470 to 542 range which is what sony would call UC14 and the reason i did that is there's actually maps that you can find online if you do some google searching that'll tell you the the least used or, or the cleanest frequency ranges in your area and in the areas I typically work in I travel all over the world but I'm most commonly working in Austin Dallas San Antonio or Houston and in those areas the channel the frequency channels that were the cleanest are going to were in the 470 to 542 block and I even called and spoke with, um, two representatives, one at B&H, which was a fantastic girl. I wish I had her name, so i give her a shout-out, who who did a, a, a secondary search to double-check me. And then another from Texas Media Systems who actually spoke to a Sony rep and had them do a, a search as well. And in uh, all three cases, my own search, B&H's search, and Texas Media Systems, who reached out to Sony themselves, all of them said in, my, in, in the cities that I, I listed, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, the five a 470 to 542 range was the cleanest range. So that's what I bought because those are the areas I work in the most. However, I also had them do random checks in New York, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and a few other places because those are really big cities. And I was just curious, what are the least used ranges uh, or not the least used, but the cleanest ranges in those cities. And every one of them came back in the 470 to 542 range, the Sony cells. And I traveled to other states and, and I even checked a few other random ones like Charlotte. And, and that was also the cleanest in that area as well. So to me, it seemed like that was the best buy. So the last... Time I purchased mics, I went with the, what Sony would call UC14, which is the 47542, because in all the major areas I checked, that range was the cleanest range. Now, if you have something in the 536 to 608, again, I have ran those for like 10 years, and they were great. So it doesn't mean that those are bad. It just means that the uh, 47542 tends to be cleaner in, in most places. But both will work. You're not in any trouble if you go with one versus the other. Both are. Both are probably gonna work in your area, but if you want the cleanest of the cleanest, that range is the cleanest of the cleanest. Anyway guys, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover was just what is the difference between UHF and 2.4 gigahertz mics, wireless systems, um, why you should look at systems that can take interchangeable batteries, uh, when you might wanna use a 2.4 small, tiny little gigahertz mic on something like a GoPro. Um, I wanted to talk about the lapels and the wireless ranges and the different price brackets and all that stuff. So hopefully this will give you some food for thought on what to look for when buying a wireless system. I, again, I, Electrosonics, sure. Um, Zaxcom, they all make great devices, but they're very, very, very expensive. If you're a videographer like me and you're gonna be doing your own audio, or you wanna own your own audio gear so that you can hire um, some local sound guys to come and run your gear like I do with college students from Texas State, if that's you and you're like me, I think Sony is a no brainer, especially if you're a Sony shooter. But really, I think Sony's a no brainer no matter who you you know, what, what camera you work with. Anyway, I hope that clears some stuff up. If you have more questions, go to the Filming with Josh Facebook group. Ask to be a member if you're not already. Post your question there and I'll be happy to answer it. And if you like the podcast, subscribe to it and please rate it. I would love to know what your thoughts are on the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you all next week. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.